And sisters and brothers, as a pastor and as a Christian, in my Christian life that has gone on for a few years, I have been in my fair share of church narthexes, narthices, or narthi, whatever. Foyers. Foyers. And in all those spaces, I've learned a couple of things about us people. One of those things is that quite often we can say things that we do not mean to say. We can just have somebody in front of us and all of a sudden these words just blat out of there. And our eyes get big like this and we just wish we could suck them back in and hide them. But we know we can't because they've been said. Most of the times those stories don't always work out. To our advantage, we come out on the short end of those. We wish we would have learned to keep our mouths shut. And husbands, I'm not just speaking to you. We as people have that problem, don't we? We say things we didn't mean to say. But I've also learned that quite often we don't say things that we meant to say. Now, sometimes that can work out to our advantage. Somebody's in front of you and you don't say what's on your mind. Amen? Amen. Sometimes that's okay. But we have this struggle, don't we, with what to do with our words, how to use our words, how do we speak, what kind of language do we have? It's a struggle sometimes. If you've ever found yourself in the middle of that struggle, well, I just want to welcome you to what it's called being a human being. Congratulations, you have a heart. And the funny thing about this heart, it does weird things. In one moment, you can be in a moment of of, of pure joy. You can be standing in awe of something. And in just like that, your heart can change. You can be angry about something. You can be uh, jealous about something. You could be filled with pure rage in just a moment. It's a weird thing about our heart, how it works that way. And if you know how the heart works like that, then I think maybe you can understand why it is we need God. We need God. Because of these little things we have called hearts. That seems so temperamental, that seems so confused, that seems so like they don't really know what they want. At one point, the people of God were enslaved. You know this story. It's the center of our faith. The people of God were enslaved. They worked laboriously for Pharaoh. God said, I have heard the cry of my people. I hear them saying they want to be free. And so you know what God did? God freed them. When they walked over, they rejoiced because God had heard them. They rejoiced because now they were free. And then they had to do a little walking. And you remember what they did next? They whined. They complained. Oh, Mo, why did you even bring us out here? We don't want to be free. We'd rather be a slave back over there. Isn't that just like us? 
It's that heart thing where one moment changes just like that. It's who we are as the people of God. We wanted to be free. God freed us. And we weren't even happy with that. And one thing we realized as we started to live as the free people of God, we didn't know how to live. We were still thinking like we were under Pharaoh's control. God said, if you are free, you are free indeed. Seems like Jesus said something like that. And if you are free indeed, I want you to live like you are free indeed. So Moses went up the mountain several times. One time he came down with these words from God. We call them the Ten Commandments. And unfortunately, I think when we hear Ten Commandments, maybe we get the wrong impression of what they are. A lot of times we see the Bible, we see the Ten Commandments as these rules of life that we better follow. That you better listen to God. You better believe he's paying attention. He's watching you. Waiting for you to miss up. Miss one of these Ten Commandments. I'm just not convinced that's not how God sees us. I'm not convinced that's not how we should look at the Ten Commandments either. There aren't these rules. They aren't these Things that keep us from life. In fact, they are what give us life. I always get a little amused when I have a conversation with people who have this impression that the Bible is all about rules and the Bible doesn't want me to live life and the Bible. So let's think about what rules like the Ten Commandments. And so all right, let's think about the Ten Commandments. Let's think about how they are. Don't murder somebody. Isn't God such a killjoy? Golly, God. Messed up my Sunday afternoon, right? Don't lie. Don't steal. Anybody picking up on how bad God really is, right? Don't covet your neighbor's donkey. Yeah. God's a mean guy, isn't he? You see, I, th- I, I think that we've got to stop seeing Scripture. We've got to stop seeing God's commands as these. And instead, that understand that God is saying, I've got life for you. And if you can learn to live like this, this is how you can have that life. But, you know, us, we had that little thing called a. Uh, And it does strange things. The people of God heard God's command. They had probably celebrated God's command. They had talked about it. They had talked about how good it was. They had understood that it was given to them. They had understood that it was a gift from God. But you know how this strange little heart works. Sometimes, little by little, it begins to turn. It begins to turn away from God in ways sometimes we don't even realize. And so one day as Jesus came into church, he looked around and said, thought to himself, perhaps, these people don't know how far they've turned. They can't see where their heart is. And we like to think that Jesus got mad, he got angry, and obviously if you're kicking over tables, 
whipping cows and stuff. You know, if every, you're mad that people are having the stock show there in church, yeah, you're going to get a little upset, right? But you've got to remember, we're told that the disciples remembered something particular as they, as they saw Jesus, as they heard Jesus. What we're supposed to remember, I think, is not so much that he got upset, but that he had a form of zeal. That he was overcome not so much by anger as he was maybe by disappointment. I have so much for these guys. I have so much for my people. And yet they've turned away. They've done their own thing. And what's worse, they're doing that here in my place. What might be even worse than that is in doing so, they're keeping other people from knowing my way. So Jesus got to kicking over tables. He got to throwing money around. He got to probably yelling at people. And here we are all these years later trying to make sense of it. Sometimes we, we want to look at our life and say, well, it's okay for me to get mad because Jesus got mad. Quite possibly. That's okay. Go for it. But understand what made Jesus upset. It was that people weren't seeing the life that God really wanted for them. Because God has so much more. Y'all with me? Last night, 20 of us, our church, we went to Austin and we watched uh, two gentlemen. Uh, one, whom I already knew was one of the funniest people on the planet. I already told you that. The other one I kind of thought was kind of funny. After last night, he's just right up there. They're just, I've never laughed so much in my entire life. I'm just telling you guys this. And if you were there, you know. If you, you weren't there, oh, I wish you could have been there. It was, it, was, it, was, it was so great to have an hour and a half just of... But something that sticks out to me most, God, I wish I would have said it. I wish it would have been my words, but sometimes it just works out that way. One of the gentlemen said, talking about the grace of God, he, he made these words, these comments. He said, we've got to remember that Christ didn't come to make bad people good. Now, that happens. But what Christ came to do was to give dead people new life. God has and wants a better way for us. And we've got to learn that our words and our heart have to learn how to be in tune with God's way. And there's the rub, isn't it? There's the difficult part. Learning to steer our heart again toward the love of God. You think the psalmist didn't understand that? As the psalmist looked around, he said, man, all of creation is doing what it's intended to do. The heavens are crying out. The sun's doing its job. The world around me, without saying a word, is speaking the power of God. And I'm sitting here complaining about the people around me. I'm here not knowing what to say, not knowing what to do. Where do I begin to have the life that God wants for me? And perhaps with those kinds of questions, the psalmist comes up with this. The law of the Lord is perfect. 
It revives the soul. It makes wise the simple. It is right. It rejoices the heart. It enlightens the eyes. It endures forever. God's word, more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey, drippings of the honeycomb. Does that sound like the psalmist thought the Ten Commandments were a bunch of rules to live by? Or does it sound like the psalmist knew this is where I find life? So we've got to ask ourselves, how in the world can we find that same idea? How do we get to that place that our hearts and our words can be connected as the psalmist were. And I think, I think it's actually pretty easy. Would you repeat after me, please? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And the people of God had to say, Amen. Amen.